All right, we're going to get back into our study today, Revelation. We're in Revelation chapter 16. And we're going to look at the bowls of wrath. Now let me just remind you, we took a little break. Here's where we're at. We've basically been going through the book of Revelation. If you remember, the book of Revelation is divided into three sections. The things which were, that is, he saw the revelation of Jesus in chapter 1. The things which are, we saw that in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Those are the letters to the seven churches. And then the things which are to come, which we see in chapters 4 through 22. And we're all the way up to chapter 16. And what we've seen so far is, is that God is unleashing on the world a series of judgments. So there was a series of judgments that were taking place, the seal judgments. There were seven seal judgments, and we saw the first six. And the seventh seal was another series of judgments, which were the trumpet judgments. There were seven trumpet judgments. And the seventh trumpet is now what we see here, the bowl judgments, or the censor judgments. And we're going to look at the bowls of divine wrath. Now, as we do this, I want you to be aware there is a position out there that I don't agree with, I think is kind of stretching it, that kind of sees all of these three judgments overlapping each other, that they're all taking place together. They're basically describing the same thing. Well, if you just read your Bible on your own and just look at it, you realize they're not all describing the same thing. There's there are three series of judgments, and so now we're into the third series of judgment, which we see here in chapter 16. So look with me, first of all, the introduction. We're going to take one verse at a time here and work our way through these. Look at verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of wrath of God on the earth. Here's the thing. Seven angels are told to pour out their bowls of wrath upon the earth. Now let me just stop for a moment. I need to clarify that term wrath. Because in our human way of thinking, we think in terms of wrath as a, an emotional response. Parents, kind of, kind, of, uh, kind of relate to me for a moment. You know, your, your child does something and it exasperates you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You get exasperated. And, and then it's like your, your blood pressure raises to a certain point. You're red and you explode in wrath. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That is an emotional response of wrath. Everybody here knows what I'm talking about, okay? Everybody's laughing. You're probably thinking of a time when that happened. Now, I want you to listen to me. That is not what we're talking about when we talk about wrath with God. Because wrath with God is never an emotional response. Then what kind of wrath is it, George? It's a judicial wrath. So, for instance, you know, like I'm from the state of South Carolina. In the state of South Carolina, when somebody is sentenced to death, and that, whatever, it takes seven years or whatever to finally get them to the place where they die, when the state executes them, that is called facing the wrath of the state, technically. You understand? Does that mean the state was emotional in its response towards it? No. It was a judicial decision saying that this person faces this act of wrath, which is death. 
This is what we're talking about here. When God is pouring out His wrath, it is an act of judicial wrath upon the world for its sins. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not an emotional response from Him. So these seven angels are told to pour out their bowls of wrath upon the earth. Now look with me. We're going to see the first bowl. Verse 2. Now let me just stay for a moment. These are going to be... You know, we've already read about some of these judgments. These judgments are even more extreme than any that we've already seen. Look with me at verse 2. So the first went out and poured his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Here's what I want you to see. The first bowl produced ugly and painful sores upon the followers of the beast. So the first judgment that we see here is that these folks who have taken the mark of the beast, who have sealed their judgment because of that, are going to have some sort of ugly, hideous, painful sore upon their body. You understand? We're talking everybody. This is not like just a select few people. We're talking whoever's left on the world who's worshiping the beast, who has his mark, is going to get this sore. So it's painful. Look at verse 3 now. We see the second bowl. Then the second angel poured out his bowl in the sea, and it became blood as of, dead, of a dead man. Every living creature in the sea died. All right, let's stop for a moment. Here's what we're seeing here. The second bowl destroys every living thing in the seas. I don't understand what it means exactly. I just know that we know that during the time of Moses, there was a plague in which the Nile was turned to blood. What we're seeing here in this judgment is, is that all of the oceans of the world, which, let's be honest, that's most of the world, isn't it? Turns to blood. And every living creature in it dies. Now, let's just stop for a moment. What kind of impact is that going to have? I mean, what's that going to do to the food chain of the world? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, like the little golf, golf incident we had with the, with the oil spill down there, that was 40% of America's consumption of seafood right there, just in the Gulf of Mexico. Do you realize that? 40% of what, what you buy at Walmart or whatever comes from the Gulf, those shrimp and stuff. Now, when you think about every living thing dying, that's going to have a major impact on the world, and that's what's happening here. That's the third bowl. That's the second bowl. Now, look at the third bowl. He goes one step further. The third bowl. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. For it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Okay, let's take a look here. It's the third bowl. Here's the judgment. The third bowl turns the rivers and the streams into blood. 
Now we have a lot of streams around here, don't we? We have we have the Susquehanna come right down through here, and I mean there are streams everywhere. I, I live right on Anderson Creek, and there are there are different creeks and you know flowing into the river as it flows down, you know through our state and so forth. I want you to think about that. At some point in God's judgment, all of that's going to turn to blood. What's that going to do to drinking around here, folks? You know what I'm saying? Some of you, you have well water. How many of you have well water? Yeah. The rest of you are either on Clearfield water or, or Pike Township water, right? Where do they get their water from? The air? They're getting it from a water source. Now, here's what it's saying. All those water sources are going to be now what? Contaminated. You can't drink. Wow. I mean, that's, that's, that's radical, isn't it? Okay, let's go on now. Here's what he says. Here's the praise of the angel. The angel praises the Lord for his retribution for the blood of the martyrs. Here's why it's happening, folks. Do you want to understand why these judgments are taking place upon the world? They are God's retribution, God's revenge for what has happened to his children, to God's people. You understand, when we look around the world and we see the things that we're seeing, and there's a lot of stuff happening around the world, folks, whether you realize it or not. I mean, I think just this week in Mexico there was a missionary killed. How many of you saw that? That's just Mexico. And there's, I mean, the reality is, listen to me, that one day you look at that and you shake your head and you wonder, when's this going to stop? One day it's going to stop. One day God's going to say enough and God's going to pour out his wrath. And here's one way he's going to pour it out. All the water is going to be contaminated. Nobody's going to be able to drink it. And the angel praises God for his retribution, for the justness of his retribution here. Let's go on. Another voice proclaims the justness of God's judgment. Look at verse 7. It says this, I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. He is, listen, understand, this is not an emotional response. God is just in his judgment of the world when he brings this about. Look now at the fourth bowl. We look at that in verses 8 through 9. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and did not repent and give him glory. And here's what I want you to see, the fourth bowl. The fourth bowl causes the sun to scorch the earth and mankind. So something's going to happen with the sun so that it's going to produce something within, you know, because our atmosphere is what protects us. Do you understand that? So something's going to happen that's going to produce where men are scorched by the sun. So we're talking severe sunburn. And here's what I want you to notice how they respond. Look at the response of men. And this is what you're going to see over and over. Look at verse 9 there. Mankind will blaspheme God and refuse to repent. I mean, God is turning up the heat, folks. God is turning up his judgment. You know, do you know what I'm talking about, parents? When you discipline your children and, and it's like they're not responding to it, you need to, what, turn up the heat a little bit until you until they come to a place of brokenness, 
and repent of their sin and move on. You know, and, and that's really what we need to be doing as parents. Well, this is God doing it. The parent, the ultimate parent, God. He's turning up the heat on mankind. And mankind, rather than, than repenting and acknowledging their sin and saying, Oh, God, have mercy on us, what do they do? They're blaspheming Him. They're cursing Him. They're refusing to repent. That's the fourth bowl. Look at me now, the fifth bowl. Look at verses 10 through 11. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heavens because of their pains and their sores, and did not repent of their deeds. All right, here's what's happening, the fifth bowl. The fifth bowl is poured out on the beast, which is the Antichrist, and his kingdom. Now here's what I want you to understand. This is something, you understand these, these are supernatural things that are happening, and especially this next one, because I don't understand it completely. I don't know how anyone can explain this, but we just have to go by what the text says. And here's what it says. It causes darkness and intense pain. So there is a darkness that takes place, and it's a darkness that can be felt. And in that feeling of that darkness, it has an intense pain there. People are going to be gnawing their tongues. People are going to be in agony. When you see the issue of gnawing your tongue, that's really the issue of agony. Okay? So what we see there is this fifth bowl is, again, creating this darkness that it creates intense pain. I don't under, we don't know anything like this in our world right now, but one day it's going to happen. And here's what I want you to see, again, the response of men. Once again, men refuse to repent, and what do they do? They blaspheme God. Once again, they refuse to repent and blaspheme God. Let me just stop for a moment. Some of you, some of you maybe pray prayers like this. You have someone that you love, that you care for, someone you work with, and, and you're praying for their salvation. You're praying for them to come to Jesus Christ and and, and you'll, you'll say, God, if you could only show yourself mighty, if they could only see that you're real, they'll repent. Folks, God's doing this and they're not repenting. Jesus, through the story of the rich man and Lazarus, said, what? If one was even to raise from the dead, they would not believe. And we already know that. One did raise from the dead. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And here's how they responded. They wanted to kill Jesus and they wanted to kill Lazarus now. Make sure he was really dead. Folks, stuff, it's, it's the hearts of men. They refuse. Their pride enters into it. And they don't want to repent. They don't want to change. So look with me now, the sixth bowl, verses 12 through 16. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. And they gathered them together at a place called, in Hebrew, Armageddon. 
or the Valley of Megiddo, which is in northern Israel. Folks, okay, here's what I want you to see, the sixth bowl. The sixth bowl causes the river Euphrates to be dried up. Now, everybody know where the river, Euph river Euphrates is? It runs from like down to Syria all the way down through Iraq out to the Persian Gulf. So this is a significant river. This is a significant river in the scripture. But it's going to be dried up. Now, why it's going to be dried up? Why is it important? Because this sets the stage for the gathering of armies on the plain of Megiddo, which is in northern Israel. And here's what I want you to see the gathering of armies. Three demons proceed to gather the armies of the world. Three demonic influences proceed to gather the armies of the world. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Is that going to take a lot of time? We already know. We've already had several wars now in the Middle East. We've had the Persian Gulf War. We had the Iraqi Freedom War, which we're just getting out of that now. How long did it take for us to get troops over there, folks? Was it very long? Did it take a long, long time to get them over there? No. In fact, here's the thing. We're stationing them there now. I mean, they've been there since the Persian Gulf War, like in Saudi Arabia and stuff. Troops are there. So how long is it going to take for, for armies to gather? Not long at all, folks, but these demons are going to gather the armies. Now, here's the words of Christ, verse 15. The words of Christ... Jesus' promise of his return is remembered. Look at that. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. Behold, he's coming as a thief. Now, you know what? Can I be honest with you? We were just joking about this last night with my family. May's coming. The big prediction, May 11th. Okay? May 12th, we're going to look back and say, oh, no, another one just passed. Nobody knows when this is, folks. He says he's coming as a thief in the night. How many of you know when somebody's going to stop and rob your house? I mean, if, if you did, you'd be there and Smith and Wesson would be there too, right? Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean that's reality. But nobody knows when that stuff happens. Nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. And so this is a promise that he's saying to be remembered. I'm coming back. But notice part of the promise there. Look at verse 15. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments. What is that talking about? That's talking about your life. The issue of garments in the Scripture is talking about you and your righteousness. Watching your righteousness. Being aware of how you're living your life. Lest he walk naked and see, they see his shame. That's sort of the whole issue there. Lest you be caught off guard and you're not ready for when he comes back. That's reality. Then look at here. Here's the place of the gathering. The armies of the world gather at Armageddon, or the Valley of Megiddo. Now there's a seventh bowl. And here's where we're going to spend the rest of our time before we close with this. Look at the seventh bowl, verse 17 through 21. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl in the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done! And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God, to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath, and every island fled away, and mountains were not found. 
And great hail from heaven fell upon men, and each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. Now, let's, let's, this, is, this is extreme, folks. Let's look at what it says here. First of all, the last bowl is poured in the air. This last bowl of judgment. And then a voice proclaims that the judgments are done. So this is the final judgment upon the earth. But this is extreme, folks. Look at what's going to take place. Look with me at verse 18. The greatest of all earthquakes destroys most of the earth. Look, when you look at those verses, here's what it's saying. It says two specific things that blow my mind. Number one, the mountains will be flattened. Now, we live in a mountainous area here, don't we? I mean, can you picture that? Some of you actually live on a hillside. In this judgment, there's going to be such a great earthquake that everything is flattened. So the Rocky Mountains are going to be flat, folks. Everything is going to be flat. Here's the other thing that it says. Islands will run away. What does that mean? They'll disappear. So great will this earthquake be, there won't be a Hawaii anymore. There's not going to be the Caribbeans anymore. Islands are going to disappear. This is, and it, notice what the Bible says. It will be so great that men have never seen such an earthquake since men appeared on the earth. So from the very beginning, this is an earthquake beyond anything like man has ever seen before, ever. Now you're saying that's got to be tremendous to be able to do that. Believe me, it is. Believe me, it is. So something flattens everything. So most of the world is destroyed. Now here's the other thing I want you to see. There's also with this a hailstone. I mean, I mean how many of you see, you know, you gardeners hate hail. How many of you, you hate hail when you got your garden in June? All of a sudden, the hail shows up, destroys everything, and you've got to start all over again. All right? And, 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 and you've heard stories of golf ball-sized hail. How many of you have heard a golf ball? And, you know, and we're like, well, that's really big. This is a talent-sized hail. What is a talent? Folks, we're talking something this big. That's a chunk of ice that big falling from the sky. Now, what kind of damage would that do? Do you know what I'm saying? Holy cow! But I want you to notice the response of men. Here's the response of men. Mankind will continue to blaspheme God. This is, this is the plight of man. I think all of us understand this. It's like, man, you, you might be thinking, well, come on, surely they could get it through their head that this is God doing it because this kind of stuff doesn't happen. Surely this happened. I mean, come on. Folks, let me just remind you. Just think about everyday humanity today. Think about folks that you deal with, whether it's a child or whether it's somebody you know, and it doesn't matter how much things, things seem to go wrong, how much the heat's turned up in their life, how much the consequences are in their life, they refuse to turn from their behavior and they keep going on. In fact, they're angry at God that the bad stuff's happening. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We see it around us already right now. 
And when God unleashes this great judgment upon the earth, they continue to blaspheme Him. They continue to blaspheme Him. Now here's what happens, folks. The stage is set. And this is really what we're going to be looking at over the next couple weeks now. The stage is set for the return of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to see several things as we move from here. We're going to see the fall of Babylon. We're going to see how religious Babylon and economic Babylon are destroyed. And then we're going to see the rider who comes from the east. The king of kings and lord of lords. We're going to see the final battle. And it isn't going to be a battle. And you know what, folks? The implication of the text is, is if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to be with there with him, riding in with him. Isn't that awesome? Okay? All right, let's, let's close our time in prayer.